Welcome to Crystal Clear Finances, where we understand finances can be confusing, but you don't have to face it alone and you can have confidence for every financial decision. My name is Crystal Langdon. I am a certified financial planner, a certified kingdom advisor, a fiduciary, and the founder of Crystal Clear Finances. We have been here for over 25 years providing financial clarity so that you can have that confidence for every financial decision. Now today, what I'd like to do, I've got a couple topics that are a little bit dicey, whether we talk about uh, cryptocurrency, whether we're gonna talk about accredited investors or the fact that there were some ESG funds that were stripped of their title. But before we go into all that fun that I have in store for you, I wanna make sure that I finish up just a quick note from last week's program because last week we had talked about the different tax planning in different seasons, how there's different things that you do during different times of the year to help prepare you so that when April 15th comes and you have to write that check, that check is as small as possible. We want to make sure you get every legal deduction and make sure you're meeting with a tax strategist so that you are ready. Now, one of the things that we had talked about a lot at the end was donor advised funds. We're not going back there, though I do want to take another program to just talk about charitable remainder trusts, charitable lead trusts, those donor advised funds, and how you can start giving and putting it in your family name to be able to give to many charities that are out there at your convenience. But where I do want to focus is I want to remind individuals two areas that we kind of skip past quickly was I wanted to remind individuals that there for some FSAs from some flexible spending accounts, there is a use it or lose it clause. So usually towards the last quarter of the year, so that would be October, November, December, we're sitting with clients and saying, hey, you need to check when this was set up, do you have to spend this money this year or is it gone? Now, with HSAs, health spending accounts, we know that for many of them, they are not use it or lose it. In fact, you can set those up and leave the money in there for a long time, pay for your medical expenses out of pocket, save the receipts, and depending upon the HSA you have, maybe 10, 20 years later when you have a whole shoebox or a QuickBook itemized list of all those receipts, you can turn it in and get that money out tax-free. But that's an HSA. I, we always make sure at the end of the year when we're meeting with our clients, when we're going through the checklist, do we need to do tax loss harvesting? Do you need to do a required minimum distribution? We check if they need to use it or lose it on their flexible spending account. Now the last area, and then we're gonna go on to some really fun subjects, is the last area is qualified charitable distributions. Now QCDs, when you are able to say, you know what? I know that I have to take a required minimum distribution. They're gonna make me take money out of my account. And working with Crystal Clear Finances, we're in a position where we don't need that required minimum distribution. Well, so sorry, Charlie. What they do is you have to take it, otherwise you get the 50% penalty. And there are some people that say, well, I'm okay if I take it, but here's where the, the difference is. Many individuals will contact our office and say, I would like 
to take the stock that I own now or the funds that I own now, a certain percentage of it, whatever's equal to our required minimum distribution, and I want to gift it to another organization. So we have one client. He is nowhere near needing a required minimum distribution. And he, a lot of times, he will take stock that's in his account. He will ask us to transfer it. But those who are in the required minimum distribution stage say, listen, I want you to take this stock and give it to this church. Now, here's the problem. A lot of churches don't have DTC brokerage accounts opened up, so they don't know what to do with it. So if you are a pastor, someone who works with a church, and all of a sudden you're like, yes, we would love to have this stock donated to us, and then we can sell it, and then we can use it in the ministry. If that's you, then we need to talk because we need to walk through the process of how to open one up. That way, when individuals at our office are saying, hey, I need to and I want to do these charitable gifting where it doesn't come into my hands, it doesn't go into my taxes, I want it going right from this fund all the way there so that the government's happy, but I don't pay any extra tax. Those are things that we do at the last part of the year. Now, we can do them anytime during the year. So I want to make sure you clarify. But when I'm going through my list of what I'm sitting down with clients in spring, summer, fall, and winter, and I'm looking at that, we want to make sure if you're going to make that gift, we need to do it before the end of December. If we're going to make sure that we do a donor advised fund and gift it, we got to do it before the end of December. Same thing with your flexible spending account. Get that spend if it's a use it or lose it before the end of the year. So with that being said, I know it took a five minutes out of this week's program, but boy, I left a couple people hanging last week and I don't like doing that. So we can seal up everything that we talked about last week with taxes. And if you didn't have a chance to hear it, you can find it on our YouTube channel or you can go on our website at crystalclearfinances.com and we have our, all of our radio programs categorized there. So let's talk about today. So today we've got a lot of different subjects, subjects that I have found that financial advisors don't like to talk about. So it's not anything that's a recommendation. So it's not that we can get in trouble for talking about it, but it just seems like a taboo subject. Like, let's not rock any, you know, boats and let's just keep everything calm and cool and let's, let's not get into it. I'm the opposite. I want to talk to you about what's out there. The first one, which I did uh, very quickly uh, before, was talking about the rule of 72T. And this brings a lot of confusion, but we had a gentleman that literally said, I don't like my IRA. I've got 500000 in it. I'm going to be taxed on everything that's in it, and I don't want it there anymore. Well, okay, well, I'm sorry, you're not 59 and a half. If you touch it before then, you're going to have a 10% penalty. But he said, well, I've heard about these things called rescue IRA. Can I do one of those? So let's talk about it. Marketing is so funny because that's what they do is they put titles on things and people catch on to them. So a rescue IRA is really a fancy way of a rule 72T. It's saying we can find a way where you can empty your IRA without the 10% penalty before age 59 and a half. Do you have to pay taxes? Yes, it's an IRA. But the way that it works is it you have to take at least 
you, you bring it out there and you have to take at least payments, substantial equal payments every year for at least five years or up until the age of 59 and a half. So let's pretend you take it, you say, Crystal, great, I'm, I've got 500,000 in my IRA. I'm going to take 100000 a year for five years. And then you hit, you do it when you're 57. You do it when you're 58. You hit 59. And you're like, Crystal, I don't have to do it anymore because now I can legally touch my IRA without a 10% penalty. No, 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 no. You have to finish that five-year payout, right? Because it has to be five years or the age of 59 and a half, whichever is longer. Because if you don't, what happens is, is there's going to be a penalty retroactive and interest on everything you pulled out prior. Now you might say, Crystal, why in the world would anyone do that? Individuals, because of their concern over where taxes are going, have reached a place where they say, I'm going to pay my taxes now. I would rather pay it now, get that done, and I'm going to put it someplace else. Now, they can't take it out of the IRA, pay the taxes, and then say, okay, great, now I've got like 80000 or 70000 left. I'm going to go put it in a Roth. No, because you're limited. Remember, if you're below the age of 50, you can only put 6000 in a Roth. And if you're 50 or over, you can only put 7000 in a Roth. So what happens is when you're doing these rescue IRAs, these rule of 72T, which is the IRS code, is basically what you're doing is taking this money out and saying, I'm going to pay the taxes now and I'm going to put it someplace else that will not be taxed again. Now, they have other options. A lot of times people will take that, they'll put that into life insurance and not worry about the cash value tax, or tax value that's going to grow because they know that won't be taxable. That's where you hear that rescue IRA because people are rescuing their IRA, paying the taxes by making sure they have substantial equal payments, equal payments every year for five years or up until the age of 59 and a half, whichever is later. So if you started at 40, you're not done with taking payments of the same amount at age 45. You have to continue that until you reach 59 and a half. Uh, hopefully that's conveying properly so that everybody understands. And of course, since this is not investment advice, I'm just telling you about rules that are out there, strategies that people are using to be able to take money out of an IRA, pay the taxes, put it over into different areas. Now, some of the areas they're putting in, I'm going to talk about in a moment, may have to do with when they're looking towards private equity. We're not going to talk about specifics, but I am going to talk about how it functions just so that we know, because we see this as a growing area where we are noticing people are doing rule of 72T, getting their money from a locked up, ta fully taxed vehicle into something else. And will they have to pay taxes in the private equity? Yeah, but it's a different scenario and different tools can be used on it. But that at least should answer the questions on how does the rule 72T. So if you are wondering, hmm, I've got this really big IRA, or maybe it's not huge, but you've got an IRA and you're, you do not want to keep it there. You're saying by the time I reach 59 and a half, I know how big this thing is going to get. Or by the time I reach 72, you want to rescue it now? That's where the rule of 72. Talk to your financial advisor. You can talk to us here at Crystal Clear Finances, 518-433-7181. It is not right for everyone. 
It's not. You know, if you're taking money out of your IRA and then you're just going to go spend it and lose it, then how are you preparing for retirement? So it's a very, this would be one of the reasons why it's taboo that we don't talk about it a lot, especially on a radio program or a podcast or a YouTube because we don't want to encourage individuals to close their IRAs and just squander the money away. But if there's specific purposes, maybe you're buying rental property, maybe you're buying a business and you want to say, you know what, I want to buy a business. This is the only asset I have. I want to take it out of the stock market. I want to put it into a real estate component. This could be a component you could look at. So that's the rule of 72T. Let's take a quick 60 second break. When we come back, I wanna talk about this uh, executive order that uh, the president made on the cryptocurrencies. Now I know that this took place in March and we are now in May, but I wanna talk about it because understand when a piece of the puzzle gets thrown on the table and it's all by itself, people don't understand how it fits into this. And this is a really key area. I get a lot of questions about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Let's talk about that taboo subject in just 60 seconds. Faith-based investing has three main objectives, avoid, embrace, and engage. This is Crystal Langdon with today's Financial Gem. You can avoid investing in companies that support agendas in direct contradiction to your beliefs. You can embrace investment opportunities designed for kingdom impact. And you can engage by challenging companies to do better in the areas that are compromising to our biblical worldview. Every dollar we invest can be used to avoid, embrace, and engage in faith-based investing. Call Crystal Clear Finances at 518-433-7181 and begin faith-based investing today. And we're back with more Crystal Clear Finances. My name is Crystal Langdon. As always, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for the past 25 years showing up on Saturday mornings and the various other times they re-air our program and just being there and for getting involved, looking at your finances and saying, you know what, I'm going to take charge of these. I'm going to make an impact on my family. And we love all of our new clients that are just coming on board. I want to encourage you, if you like what you're hearing, if you've been listening to our radio program over the past 25 years or over the past few years as we've been doing our YouTube channel, I would encourage you, give us a call at 518-433-7181 and let's schedule that free initial consultation. Let's sit down and go over your finances and see where everything is. Now today, as we go back into our discussion on taboo topics, I want to talk a little bit uh, about this executive order that was signed on March 9th of 2022. Yes, uh, time has gone by since there. So we've had a couple months that that has passed. But don't let this get swept under the rug. Because I find this very interesting. And of course, I want to give credit where credit is due. I downloaded this from Coindesk Insights. And uh, there's a whole printout in regards to what had happened. I'm going to read a portion of it. But it basically said that when uh, the president signed this executive order, he is directing federal agencies to coordinate their approach to this sector. 
And one of the lines, and this is why I'm just going to, to read this to you, it says one part of the order will direct the Treasury Department to create, to create a report on the future of money, including how the current financial system might not meet the consumer's needs. So they're going to evaluate not just the cryptocurrency and different things, but they want to evaluate, and the executive order has sent them out saying, let's evaluate how things are working. And when they evaluate, you do know what happens after the evaluation period. There comes a, this is a recommendation period, which is followed usually by a regulation period of different laws that go into effect. Literally, and I'm going to read this quote from there, it says, Wednesday's executive order, which was originally reported to be in the works for October 2021, will define six key priorities for the administration. Protecting U.S. interests, protecting global financial stability, preventing illicit uses, promoting re responsible innovation, financial inclusion, and U.S. leadership. Now, when you're looking at this, they're basically saying, we want to look at how money's flowing in the digital currency, cryptocurrency. Now, why is that important? Yes, they're going to come back and show that people can get hurt on it. And I am all for people being protected. But I want you to understand too, keep that piece of information, tuck this little taboo piece of information in the back of your mind when you start going to farmer's markets and you say, I wanna pay cash and they say, we don't accept cash. Cash is dirty, it's not clean, it carries germs. I just wanna do the card. What are they pushing you into? The digital currency. So that if, there could there, and I'm just asking, could there be a day when there isn't any physical dollars because it comes all digitally? Could there be a day where, okay, someone else has control of whether funds in your account get turned on and off? I'm just proposing things out there, I'm not saying that that's what they said. I am saying is that there was an executive order issued in March that they're looking into digital and cryptocurrency. And you can see this, it's a long awaited US executive order on crypto, but also goes over the whole financial institution of how the future of money may need to be changed. So just wanted to bring that little piece to light for you. The other area I wanted to talk about and you hear me talk about values-based investing a lot. And you hear talking about ESG scores. And remember with the ESG scores, you can look at other countries. If your score isn't right, they actually, hmm, funny how that works. They actually have digital currencies where they can turn banks on and off depending on scores. But this one says, and this is from Bloomberg. I've got the printout here. It was from the Wealth Advisor was a contributor. This was um, again in February. So I know I'm reading February and March simply because I'm letting things play out in this, but I wanna make sure it just doesn't pass you by. I thought it was interesting. It says ESG funds representing more than one trillion, that's with a T in, ass in assets, aren't delivering on their stated environmental, social, or governance goals, according to one of the main researchers tracking the market. So they did a forensic analysis, and because there are companies out there saying, oh, I'm ESG, and they're really not, what has happened is, according to Morningstar, they removed more than 1,200 
funds according to the Morningstar's classification system. So that's a big deal. So when I talk values-based investing, and that seems to be, there's some confusion between that and the ESG. We're not talking social uh, responsible or the ESG scores, though we do want to be socially responsible. Values-based says, listen, I know what I want to avoid, I know what I want to engage in, and I know that I, what I want to attract and endorse on that. And when we can begin to look at values-based, it says, what do I value? Like if we took every fund that was in your account, uh, whether it's your 401k or your IRA, and we laid it all out and showed your kids, would you be like, whoop, whoop, this or what I have, I am so proud of these funds, or would you be like, yeah, uh, that wouldn't be a fund I want in my account. Values-based investing is now growing to a place where we can literally look at every fund inside an account and say, this one I agree with, this one I don't, and you can begin to cherry pick the ones you want. I bring that up because I know there's a lot talk about ESG. ESG is not the same as values-based. And there are a lot of ESG that really aren't. They're putting the label on because it's making people happy. And I am glad to see that they're coming in and saying, uh, okay, there's a trillion dollars in assets that were under the ESG label that really weren't qualified to be there. And that Morningstar did something about it. So I'm pleased with that. Um, and again, a taboo subject that not many want to talk about. And my goal is not to stir things up, but to make sure that we are aware of what's going on, to make sure that we're aware of the rule of 72T, make sure we're aware that uh, the Treasury Department has been tasked to look into the future of money and how does that work with cryptocurrency and digital currency. And the other area that I want to bring up is I want to talk a little bit about accredited investors. So here's the, here's the kind of the spectrum. You have individuals who need help with cash flow and budgeting. That is a core component to everything, right? We, we have to know what's coming in, what's going out. I love Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It tells you, listen, this is the money coming in and money going out, your assets and your liability. You need to get everything in place. So that's a great starting place. But then there are investors that say, or individuals that say, okay, I've got my budget in order. I can begin saving and investing. And in those cases, they'll start out, they'll do a small uh, fund company, or they'll do bonds, and they'll begin that program. Then as the resources begin to grow, then they say, well, not only do I have a budget and I understand my cash flow, not only do I have bonds, not only do I have certain funds that are good for entry level, $25, $50 a month. Now I'm in a place where I can do several thousand a month and we begin to look at stocks, owning individual stocks. And we know that there needs to be more resources than just one share of a stock because if that stock you know just really takes off what is the financial impact to you if it takes off and you only have one share so we work with individuals to begin helping them have a hundred shares of each of these 10 stocks that they really um, want to be involved in that are values based in alignment with them because we can also screen the different stocks 
So you have individuals, so you have the cash flow in the budget, then slowly starting to invest, then now seriously investing, enlarging what they're investing in, and then they can even begin to build their life insurance policies because I think life insurance policies get a bad rap because many times people promise the moon, promise the world with life insurance, and yet they don't properly fund them. And then people get hurt and then it gives a bad name to it. Life insurance, and we'll sit with our clients all the time and we will say, listen, we think that having this tax-free cash value inside your account that brings so many benefits and the death benefit is just an afterthought, which by the way, has a chronic illness rider attached to it, but we can build this cash value. But if they have two nickels to rub together and they're barely able to pay the premium on it to pay for the cost of the insurance, how are they prospering from that? So you've really got to do that right. And again, as we go through kind of this progression, the people that are starting the cash flow, the budgeting, the small investing, the investing gets larger. Now we're starting to do life insurance. Now we're doing stocks. Now we're getting into a different realm. Well, we eventually get to a realm where individuals are what we call accredited investors. Now, accredited investors, and I'm going to read the definition from the IRS. I want to go through that in a moment because it's important to understand. But they're not limited to just stocks, bonds, funds, you know, annuities, the typical vanilla flavor that's out there. They're able to participate in things called private equity. That's where they're making, a. they, they have the potential to make money. They also have the potential to lose everything they put in it. But that's why there has to be this, this level that comes into it. So let me read what an accredited investor is. This is the SEC's definition. It is an individual with gross income exceeding 200,000 in the last two years or joint income with a spouse or partner exceeding 300,000 for the past two years and an expectation that they're going to make the same amount next year. So in that three-year window, hey, I've made either 200000 by myself or together with my spouse or partner, I've made 300000 and we think we're going to do it again next year. That makes a person accredited investor. Why is that important? Because accredited investors are allowed to get into private equity opportunities ahead of individuals who are not accredited. It's kind of like the government says, okay, so you're making so much money that if you lose it, you're not going to lose your home. You're still going to be able to feed your kids. Life will still go on for you. So I understand why there's that line. But I know a lot of times when we're talking on the program at Crystal Clear Finances, we don't talk about accredited investments, and I can't on the radio. But I think it's important to say we can talk about what is accredited investor and what they get to participate in. Now, here's one other definition of it. It also can be a person whose net worth or joint net worth with that person's spouse exceeds a million dollars but doesn't include their house. Because all of a sudden everyone said, oh, that's me. My house is worth so much. I'm now an accredited investor. No, you have to have a million dollars outside the value of your home that shows your accredited investors. Accredited investors are allowed to participate in, remember how in the stock market, you can buy shares of company. 
those companies are already established, right? They've already made it into the stock market. They're on, you can buy and sell. Private equity is where accredited investors can go ahead of time to those companies that they think may make it to the market and invest in it back then so that when it goes IPO and the market, then at that time they can decide, I'm going to sell what I have here because I made so much money from the time I first invested to when it went IPO. That was a very short version, but I want you to understand as accredited investors are listening to this program that there are options out there, but here's the exciting part. There are values-based kingdom private equity options that are out there that we need to be aware of. Can they be discussed on a radio program? Absolutely not, because only accredited investors. But I want to wake up many of you and say, hey, if you're an accredited investor, we need to talk because there are options that are available. Well, we are at the end of our time together. We do this every week, don't we? We go through it. I have a zillion things that I need to talk to you about. But I want to encourage you, we can sit down one-on-one. -on -one. You can bring your list of questions and say, Crystal, this is what piques my interest. Here's where I'm, uh, I'm interested in. And we can sit down and talk because this program, as well as every program I do, none of it is a recommendation. This is just for educational purposes only. But if you have the right education with it, then hopefully you'll be able to have that clarity so that you can have confidence for every financial decision. So I encourage you, join us again next week. Thank you and God bless. This program is for educational purposes only. We understand that finances are complex. Facing them alone causes stress, resulting in wrong choices, missing out on opportunities, and having to settle for a lower standard of living. At Crystal Clear Finances, our team approach focuses on providing clarity and confidence so you can make the right financial decisions. Investment advisory and financial planning services are offered through AlphaStar Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Clear Finances and AlphaStar are separate and independent entities. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.